Welcome to Remix the Narrative. Remix the Narrative is a podcast that discusses the issues and topics that impact children, families, and education. Through dialogue, we discuss the good, bad, great, and ugly with the hopes to promote change. Tune in to get expert advice and tools to help the whole family. Well, cool. So we are live. Um, thank you all for coming to our Autism Awareness Talk. I'm so excited. Um, first of all, because I've had the pleasure of the last three Fridays speaking to different families and people who are just using their platforms to make um, our community and just the world more aware about autism. And so I feel like it's just befitting that we're ending um, this month of autism awareness with three um, wonderful guests. And so we're going to talk about not only each of their stories, but also just the impact that they're making in the community. Um, as you all are coming in and joining the conversation, as always, you can um, put your comments and questions in the chat box. I'll be showing them throughout the broadcast. Also, if you have specific questions, for anyone on the panel, just let me know and I'll have that come up as well. But really, this is just an opportunity for us to create, as we are in many spaces, a new normal. And I really just think it's important that we are just educating and empowering families, regardless of maybe some of the challenges that they're going through. And so before we start our conversation, I would love for each of our lovely panelists to share who they are and a little bit of their background. Um, and so who would like to be the lucky number one? I'll go. <laughs> okay, let me get it done so I can take a breath. I don't know why I got nervous about this, but uh, good evening. I am uh, Tamara on Facebook, Tamara Autism Advocate Harding. I am the mother of two boys. I have a six-year-old um, going on 35 um, son, and I also have a 19-year-old son named Terrell who has autism. He's on the autism spectrum. Uh, Terrell was diagnosed at two and a half, about two and a half years of age was when he was seen at a Northwestern Memorial Hospital, and then he was officially diagnosed via the educational system slash CPS uh, by his third birthday. And um, so uh, we entered our journey into uh, autism awareness and um, as well as special needs, because as you start this journey um, as an autism parent, um, you meet a lot of a lot of other parents along the way who are who have children that don't just have autism. So. Um, I think that's like the short introduction. Yeah, I'm sure we'll dig deeper. We'll dig okay. deeper. Um, Kim, why don't you go next? Okay. Um, can you guys hear me? Yes. Yeah. Okay. okay. I'm Kim Gresham, and I have two children as well. I have a daughter. She's 30, and she has three girls. So I have three grandgirls, and then I have a son that's 19, and he's on the spectrum. He was diagnosed at two. Mm -hmm. We are in Ohio, so we've been in the um, Huber Heights school system, and ever since then, they have been just A1 and helping me, you know, navigate through, and that's been our journey, and his name is Avian. His name is Avian. He's a special uh, Olympics champion. We do awesome. special Olympics, and he's a bowler as well. Oh. Mm -hmm. Me too, yeah. <laughs> well, and I'm from Dayton, Ohio. I, so, hi, Ohioan. <laughs> yes, you from Dayton, Ohio. But I've been in Chicago since I was five. Okay, and my middle name is Terrell. 
Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Oh, look at this. <laughs> Very <laughs> we'll nice. Go to, uh, Dr. Ford, go ahead. I am so excited to be on with you guys tonight. This is absolutely one of my favorite things to do, which is to resource the community on matters that have to do with autism. And thank you for making the point and all disabilities, right? Because yeah. it's definitely a cluster. Um, this is my 19th year in education and my 13th year in special ed. Um, leadership. And um, I started off with a passion for working with young adults with emotional disabilities and um, really came to understand the need for services for students with lower incidence disabilities. And so here I am. Awesome. So we're going to just jump right in because I just know that as we talk, as you see, people are coming and people will be joining in. I know we will be able to just see how our stories connect and also how we can support those who are watching. So I always like to start with the discovery. Right. And so um, usually, you know, for some parents that I met, like there were signs right away. Um, share that, you know, I, something with like school being able to, you know, officially be a diagnosed and all of that. So I would just love to hear both of your stories as to how did you come to, okay, maybe there's something I need to check in a little further. Um, so we can start with, yeah, can you tell us about your story? Um, okay, oh. well, at the same time that I was pregnant, my best friend was pregnant. So we had our children probably about a month apart. So they were basically doing the same things and then he just kind of stopped and regressed. So, and then um, the daycare provider, um, at the time I was going to work every day, like uh, I had to be at work at five o'clock. So this was a daycare that, you know, a, a home, someone's home. And so she pulled me to the side one day and she said, Kim, um, I think you need to have Avian checked out because he's just, he's not moving as fast as the other children. So I knew something in the back of my head, but I just didn't really, you know, you just kind of be in denial about it. You know, they kind of like different and it just kind of changed because he was, everything was normal. He was fine. He was getting ready. He was talking, he was climbing up the stairs. And then all of a sudden he just, he just changed. He just mm -hmm. kind of, he just stopped. And so when she told me to get him checked out, then I, I went right and got him checked out. I didn't get upset. You know, sometimes you kind of get upset because you be in denial. You don't want to believe it. Yeah. But I felt that he was different. I, I felt that he was different. So by her telling me that, that was just confirmation that what I was feeling was right and that I needed to do something about it. Mm -hmm. Got you. And then what would you say your, your story was, Smar? I try to make it short because I'm long-winded. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Terrell was my first child. Um, and even though you have little cousins and things like that, there's nothing like having your own baby. Um, I moved back home with my mother and, um, Terrell was born in June and, um, he was, he, I have it actually recording. You know, we all used to have a video camera back in the day before the phones came into play. So I actually have videotapes of Terrell doing, going through all the steps that the books and your family members told you, because again, I didn't have children. So all the steps and milestones that he was supposed to meet, he met. I have him singing on tape. Um, his, his, the first song he actually sang um, was it's uh, kind of a hip hop head. So as well as a house head, but it was Old Boy by Cameron. He was singing mm. <laughs> at, uh, at, at a doctor's appointment that uh, myself and his dad had taken him to with like this little beat machine. So, um, but what, 
what uh, hit, hit, sent us in, onto the journey, I'm sorry, was uh, his paternal grandmother at uh, two, he thought that he couldn't hear, that something was going on with his hearing because she would call him and he would stand in front of the television. If I called him or dad called him, no problem. So, but you know, grandma's worried, take him to get the hearing check, no problems. Um, my mother, who I was living with at the time, she's a very uh, persuasive woman. And um, she just kept saying something, something's not right. Uh, my mother's known as the, I forget, my uncle, God rest his soul, used to call my mother motor mouth. She's gonna kill me. But <laughs> my, <laughs> my family will attest to the fact that my mom was getting all the kids to talk all the babies, like getting the Auntie Mundine. Well, her own grandchild had went from saying words and singing songs mm -hmm. but not saying anything. I thought he was just quiet like me. I used to be quiet. Uh, so to make that long story short, I always tell people to shut my mother up. Those are my exact words because that denial thing, there's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with that baby. She actually said, I think he has autism. I had never heard of the mm -hmm. Um, so I was like, my immediate response in 2002 was, in 2002, was my son's not retarded. That's the word mm -hmm. I use that I don't use anymore. But I didn't yeah. know. I didn't know in 2002. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, and um, and I, I actually, because I overthink, I had pulled the documents before this meeting, and I took them to Northwestern University. And in the um, the synopsis, I guess, or the summary of our visit, they said mom looked extremely overwhelmed. So mm -hmm. I, a small amount of denial, um, a lot of mourning, a lot of blame. Um, did I eat too much seafood salad? I mean, it was, oh, yeah, yeah it, it, you go on the internet and you'll go crazy, especially back then. And, you know, even older parents, uh, uh, I'm sorry, parents of older children will tell you it was even scarier before the 2000s with the information. So uh, after crying and all that good stuff, my mother was like, nope. Mm -mm. So I just dug right in and I had had and still have a great support system, a great village that stayed on top of me. And that's what pushed me into what I do today, which is being there for other parents. So, um, but that's, that's what we started. And we just kind of went through the school systems and talked to other parents and got into different places yeah. and, and so on. Actually, so I want to bring in, of course, I'm so glad you're here, Dr. Ford, because I'm like, I'm listening to these stories like, wow, is that typical? You know, like I hear both of their stories. They're like, actually, everything was on par. And then it's like it paused. And then all of a sudden it was a regression. Is that a typical like pattern that you've seen when you work with families and talk to families? Absolutely. It's quite typical. And even the responses that they had to um, to the information that they received, I guess, post-evaluation is very much what we expect to see. Um, I think that there are two moments that I've experienced that are really difficult for parents. It's that initial diagnosis and then the time when it's uh, when it's time to transition and start thinking about preparation for adulthood. What's going to happen um, as a their child turns into a young adult. And those are the two difficult moments that I've been at the table to witness. There's a certain, I think I think you said mourning and realization that happens in those moments. Um, mm -hmm. So yes, I think what they described is very typical. Um, it's interesting because at the same time that you were getting your initial diagnosis is when I think the seed was planted for me for I Can Dream Center. I was working with young um, children and now what's 
the governor's preschool for all program. So now everyone gets preschool for all. This is how I was working in the pilot with in the pilot program. It was called a community partnership, and it was through the early childhood program at Chicago Public Schools. And I was behavior specialist, and I was supporting teachers and families to really help them to um, infuse interventions and to figure out the next step for evaluation if that's what's warranted for uh, children who are struggling. And one of the things that I realized that there was such a gap of services on the south side of Chicago and the west side of Chicago for families, um, support groups, um, resources, um, early childhood centers at that moment, which was my focal point, that really uh, were equipped to to provide to service the students who have been diagnosed, or or even who, for those who were like sub threshold. We didn't we who we didn't quite know what was happening with them, but we had an inkling that something was going on. So, I think what you all described is quite typical in terms of the things that send up red flags to say, wait a second, let me investigate a little bit further and find out what's happening with my child. Yeah, and I and I see someone who um, wrote a comment. She's like, also is very. Uh, hard when you're thinking about them entering into a public school. So just mm-hmm. that whole idea of, okay, now they, you know, we, we know what's going on, but now let me find that school, right? And so I would say, I know that you're in Ohio, Kim, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you could talk about like finding a school there, same here in Chicago. How was that feeling? Like, okay, now, you know, that we know that we have these services, we need to make sure our child um, gets, is that now also an extra thing to consider when you're looking at schools? Uh, yes, very much so, because you need to know um, what kind of program they have. Do they have an IEP program where they can really cater to your child? You know, is it too many kids in the classroom? Do they mingle with, you know, quote unquote, normal kids? You want to know all of that because it's um, when my son was going to go to high school, it was very, I had a lot of anxiety about it because mm-hmm. I don't want Nobody picking on my son, you know, I don't want him in. I mean, I want him to be, you know, included, of course, but then I don't want him to be left alone, you know, because sometimes people and children can be mean and cruel. And so, yeah, you worry. You worry about that a lot. I was really scared when my son had to go to high school. And um, as a matter of fact, I helped another parent um, her name is Miss Carmen. She only oh, had yeah. her daughter. Hello. Oh, yeah, uh, she, only, she only had her daughter in a, a autism school, and so she wanted to integrate into public school, and that was really scary for her. And so, uh, her father, the girl's father, had me talk to the mother to, you know, kind of calm her down because I had been in the school system. My son had been in that system, so you want to find a system that will grow with you this system grew with us from the time from the time he was in school you know all the way up all of his teachers they all knew each other you know and they all they all knew him even passing him on each grade they knew who he was so and i just love that about that school about the school system because he's still in it yes i love that you use the knowledge that you had about uh with that you that you gained from your lived experiences to really support other parents. I um, I have found myself a lot of times uh, positioned as an advocate for families with public schools. And one of the things that I say in recognition of the anxiety that, um, that parents are feeling with their children um, in the school system is that it's best to try to create a, um, a relationship of mutual interest with the 
school system. And so really when I'm supporting um, families and school districts, I sort of try to create the common ground, right? And so there's a fear about public schools, but public schools are receive federal funding and they are um, required to provide support for your children. And so um, a lot of times we're missing out if we're letting the fear cripple us from moving forward and engaging with the public school and creating and 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 recognizing that our voice is one of the one at the table for the IEP team. And so I really try to encourage families to create a relationship with the schools and take advantage of the resources that the that get passed down through the federal government across the United States to service students with disabilities. Awesome. How was it for for me? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Right, you're like first me. Sure. Okay. Uh, I I will start with what was going through my head was the fact that um, he was when he was diagnosed, he was being kept by his paternal grandmother. So once you get into the CPS Chicago Public School System, um, he needed to go to a a after school or. um, home daycare. I think it was an in-between process between the two and the three. Um, and he started at this great school car, bar, called, I'm sorry, Barbara Vick. It's in the Beverly area of uh, Chicago. And But we still needed him to have a place to go because the school day was short. Well, finding a daycare provider that knew anything about autism on the South Side was Already, I still didn't know a lot at this time. So imagine going to people that are in the child care business, not wanting your child because they had no clue what that was about. They they heard about the, the scary side of autism, even though I have one of the mildest cases on the planet. But uh, still at 19, he's a gentle giant, but they, they didn't know. Again, so imagine earlier than 2002. So this is 2002. So I found a from uh, talking to people at work because I got the diagnosis. I was not shy about sharing it. Everybody knew I had a child with autism. Everybody. (laughs) That's how you got help. I guess how I got help, though. Um, More so from parents at that point. Not talking about now. It's gotten so much better. But back then, it seemed like once he left Barbara Vick, they didn't give you a whole lot of information as far as services or anything. So I found that talking to other parents was like my best resource. Mm-hmm. Um, but so talking to other parents and coworkers, I ended up getting him into a great school on the South side. That was a Burnside Scholastic Academy. Sorry. Um, and he did great there. The teachers were great. He got into the Special Olympics. I miss going to the Special Olympics with him. He was fast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was fast. And he did the bowling um, as well as bowling with me. But anywho, he went to Burnside. Things were great until he got to seventh grade. And uh, you say this is an open, honest conversation. I was going to kill the teacher because some people should not be in certain fields. If it's just if they don't want to don't go through customer service, if you don't like people, don't don't become a teacher. If your patient's level is so short that you can't, especially special needs, don't go into that field if uh, if that's truly not for you. Don't do it because it sounds good. You know, like I, I'm a special needs to if you are not truly committed. Yeah. I applaud everybody who takes care of our children, teaches our children. Um, uh, the ones that were involved in the Special Olympics, loved all the coaches, still have relationships with them. Eighth grade teacher, the one that he had for eighth grade, I ended up switching schools. 
So the positive with him having autism was that he didn't realize he was being pulled away from his peers. That would have been awful to take you away from the kids you, you know, you came up with in school and then switch you out for eighth grade. I had to, or it was not going to be good. Uh, so our last IEP meeting was, it was bad, but I had one of the best advocates in the, in Chicago land, one of my best friends right there with me, which also pushed me into becoming an advocate. He ended up going to a, uh, one of the university of Chicago high schools for one year. They were great. The students were great. Uh, but I, and I'll just say this on here. I was told don't send your baby to their high school. You listen when people tell you that. So now I have to find a good high school. <laughs> Uh, he ended up going to Johnson College Prep. Again, word of mouth, talking to people. At this point, I have a non-for-profit. And I really have more people to reach out to and get information from. Four years at Johnson, great. Still have relationships with the staff, um, even the ones that are no longer there. Um, the, and I have to say that the students, um, the students were phenomenal. His peers, they treated him like there was no label. Um, <laughs> was one of their peers. Um, he's at Southside Occupation. Uh, a transitional, you know, that transition. It's like an extension of high school. Over 22. <laughs> so we have until 2022 um, before we have to see what's next. And in closing, um, we actually had our remote IEP meeting Wednesday, and that was the main, you know, topic was what's next for, you know, for Terrell. And uh, there's plenty of suggestions. I, I don't know yet. I uh, I yeah. thought now I would be retired from the city and have my nonprofit really <laughs> for me, but a pandemic hits. The unexpected occurs, so I'm gonna have to keep my yeah. job. Six more years. <laughs> <laughs> right, see. So you all kind of hit on it, and um, I want to hit a little bit on it. So some of the highs and lows, and the reason I want to share this is because I think one, um, we can share not necessarily just like the highs and lows that maybe our children have experienced, but also just as a parent. And I would say the same thing, um, Dr. Ford, just in the work that you do, what are some of the, in this like awareness of autism to the community and people who are listening, what are some of the, maybe when I think of lows, I think of still some of the, a lot of the misconceptions people believe when it comes to autism, um, because it, it allows so many barriers to still be happening within school systems and in the community. And then maybe some of the highs, like maybe like for instance, I think that's a huge high that he was in a school that welcomed him and he felt as if he was, you know what I mean? I'm a part of that community, but maybe you've had to navigate in a school where he didn't feel that way, right? And so um, just really quickly, um, we can start with uh, Dr. Ford. What would be some of the highs and lows that you've seen? And I would think love for each parent to share off the top of your mind, what is maybe a low that you feel like you're still struggling with and then maybe a high that you've seen over time? I actually was encouraged to hear you share your journey about the um, like each year, the increased level of awareness. Like yeah. I said, initially, there was no child there care provider that knew anything about it as you sort of matriculated through the system that there was more knowledge. And so that's exciting for me. And I think that um, all the work with the, the small organizations and the margins like Autism Speak have really um, sort of made autism not a bad word anymore. Right. So there's no, there's 
no um, shame in talking about um, a child with a disability. And I think that speaks volumes to the way that we've grown, I think, as a community and as a society. Um, so that's exciting for me. That's definitely yeah. I, yeah. And just seeing more parents empowered with that, with that as well. I think a low for me is that, um, you know, I work uh, at this point are the program that um, I founded focuses on students uh, who are in transition. So post-secondary, right where you are. Um, that's our focal point. And I think one of the things I've struggled with is, uh, is twofold. One, when we know that we're preparing our students who are capable for competitive employment and there's still so many misconceptions about the general public about what that means to have a person with a disability working in your establishment. When we know that, you know, and our my team members, we tend to view students by their possibilities, right? Not limited by a disability. And so we're sort of mm -hmm. smacked in the face or reminded a lot that that's not necessarily how the general public understands individuals yeah. with disabilities. So that can be disheartening um, at times, I have to say. Um, uh, everyday high for me. I have to give a shout out to my team from Ivy Dream Center. They are the most amazing, caring folks on this side of the world, is what I can say. Um, I think that this pandemic that we're in, like crisis, sort of squeezes people, and you see what's on the inside. And I have just saw what I've seen on the inside of my team members is love and compassion and empathy and all the things that I thought was there and that I'm certain is there at this time. And so. Um, it gives me confidence to, you know, to sort of share with our parents that we really are here um, to support you. And we're partners on your journey. So, um, yeah, my high is definitely the way we've evolved as a, as a society. And my low is that there's still some work to do. Um, I think the other thing that I think is that is important to say is that my experience with individuals who don't necessarily have as many resources at their fingertips is that their um, children tend to get diagnosed a little bit later and that they're not as aware of services like ABA. And so they've missed out on some opportunities for them to really grow and to make gains until it's sort of late in the game. And so just really educating um, families without a lot of resources to dive in and get all of the different services that are available to you. Um, there was a change a couple years ago that here in Illinois, insurance companies have to pay for ABA services. And so um, the level varies by insurance provider, but um, just spreading the word about what kind of uh, interventions will be beneficial for the students, to for the young people to continue to make progress. So that's been a low, just understanding how how much information is still needs to be shared with our families yep. so, that um, so that their children can make optimal growth. Yep, I, I totally agree. Who wants to go next? I will. Um, okay, Kim. A high for me right now, um, Avian was chosen to participate in a program that will help him um, find a job, all the way from writing a resume, all the way for him to securing a job. So he was one of the students that was chosen to do that. So I'm really happy and uh, I'm, ha I'm happy about that. Well, my low is nutrition. Mm. I feel like, I honestly feel like it's what they eat that keeps them, you know, kind of in that, you know, cloudy thing. I don't know. I've heard a lot of people say, well, a couple like 
you know, Jenny McCarthy, her son was autistic. And then like uh, Tony Braxton, her son was autistic. But they say, you can hardly tell that they're autistic. Well, that's because of the food that they eat. You know, they have, I think that they have uh, some kind of, I don't know what it is, but they eat a certain way. He, their, their kids eat a certain way. And I want my son to eat that way. However, he's been raised eating a certain way all of his life. And he really, you know, that change, they're not good with that as far as, you know, you changing their food and things like that, you know. So I want to get to a point where he's eating differently to maybe see if, you know, he will be a different person because of what he ate, mm. you know. So that's what I'm, I, I tried to get a nutritionist. She told me to uh, introduce more vegetables. It's not working. <laughs> so I just want to figure out how to get him, you know, get his, get his nutrition changes diet. That's interesting you say that because I just think about, I mean, I, I definitely don't know either, but I'm just thinking about so many other um, ailments and, you know, different things our body goes through. And a lot of it is based on our diet, right? And so there may be things that we can take that um, keep us from being less cloudy in our heads, right? And mm-hmm, just more energy mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, just temperaments. Um, and so I, I would love to know, you know, if anyone else knows, but I think that's very important. I think there's a lot of ties to many of the things we suffer when it comes to the things that we eat. And that goes back to a lot of the inequity that Dr. Forrest said, right? So maybe we don't know, have the resources to get tested earlier, or I also may not have the means to get those types of foods consistently. Right, because you don't want, you know, it's like you don't want, um, I did a report on it, and it's like those dyes, you know, the kind of things that are having the Kool-Aid, and, you know, you want to take all those dyes out, that means you have to take them out your deodorant, you have to take them out your toothpaste, you have to take them, you have to take it out everything in order to, you know, to reach this, I don't, I don't know, I don't even know what kind of living it is, but in order to keep them, you know, straight and narrow, or, you know, uncloudy, you have to remove a lot of things from their food, a lot. So that's a different type of grocery shopping. That's not mm-hmm. what we do. That's expensive grocery shopping. Like that's expensive way of cooking and eating. That's a different way, completely. Mm-hmm. I agree. In there, <laughs> it's real. It's yeah. real. Um... I'm going to chime. I'm going to chime in on that one and say um, I did have to eventually let go of. I have a six-year-old. That will be <laughs> it's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anywho, uh, <laughs> I remember. Uh, I'm going to call this a high. Um, I remember going through the Jenny McCarthy. I read the books. I have the the VHS uh, tapes, the DVD. No, the DVDs that she made. Teach the talk. I had them all. Um, I probably stopped playing or maybe in the last two or three years, I was even planning for my youngest son, but I bought all the DVDs, um, Tony Braxton, Tisha Martin Campbell, uh, oh my God, uh, Sylvester Stallone, I can name them all that had children that had it. And now you can no longer tell that they even had a diagnosis and I had to let Xavier, I had to let go of, uh, I had to just say, I don't have their money. I have Tam money. <laughs> I right. have his household. My spouse is our household money. And and do your best with what you have to make mm-hmm. those changes with your child. Because I'll be honest that with this high and low conversation, 
there's no guarantee that's going to work for your baby. That's true, too. That's, that's true, too. I do see, as my good friend, sister friend Janoa just said, it, it, her son has a, is on a gluten and casein-free diet. And she said it helped, you know, with his behaviors. Mm -hmm. so my son doesn't, he's outside of stemming. He really doesn't have any behavior behavior. So I don't know if I change his diet. The only thing I would be expecting is for him to talk as much as I do. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the breakthrough I would be looking for is if this diet made him talk as much as I do, that would be great. But so I'm going to say that high for me is getting over that, you know, that I don't have their money and I'm sure you are doing your best mm. by your baby. Right. Um, I, I know you are. Uh, you are you yes. doing this for them. You're doing the best exactly. for by your baby. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the low for me, so the high is getting through that and, and and really believing and knowing that I'm doing the best for my son as well as the special needs community because I mm -hmm. share, as you said, with the information, getting it out there, that's the key. That's the key mm -hmm. to helping, you know, it's just sharing your experiences with people. So not being closed mouth about your experience and your journey, what's going on. I've even shared our guardianship experience on Facebook. Had a whole yeah. talk about it. <laughs> uh, guardianship. That yep. was a, yeah. that was a, that was a big thing. That was a big thing. And I, I did not it. know that I had yeah. to go through yeah. that. And I was so, uh, well, I was upset because I didn't know that I had to do it. But what was making me upset was um, they would start sending him mail mm -hmm. just because he turned 18 and he's been autistic all this time. They start sending him mail like he was gonna read it, you know. Like mm -hmm. I'm still his. I was like, I'm his mom. They're like, that's not enough. He's nine, you know. He's 19 mm -hmm. now. He's a grown man. He can, you know, do what he wants. But he, but he can do what he wants because, right. you know. So yeah, that was the yeah that was the big thing. But we the, we got through that. Yeah. <laughs> and I so would, I, I would like to because of that, I shared it step by step. I share yes. step by step each time I went to the Cook County building. They got a report about it on Facebook. Like okay. Um, so you share the experience to help others. Um, my low is uh, not enough resources on the south side. I, I am not totally familiar with the west side. I was a north side of before children even existed in my mind. But uh, if you go online and you Google it, it I am about uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm the leader of the pack in saying that everything is on the north side of Chicago. At least mm -hmm. that way. every outside of us having special rec programs on the south side. My son's ABA therapist, the, the uh, company's in Naperville. They come here, so they have therapists that are in the city. So I have two therapists that they used to come to the house before the pandemic, <laughs> but now they're doing remote ABA therapy. But the company's in Naperville. Oh, wow. Yeah. There's not enough resources for children and transitioning adults, which I'm saying that right. There's not enough resources. There's nothing... There's no, there's nothing out there for them to jump right into or to ease right into. You really have to do your research to find it, um, which is where I'm at now is what's, what's next. So that's the low, not knowing, truly being honest, not knowing what's next for my son come June of 2022. I, I'm, I'm at a loss right now. So that's a, that's a low. That's a low. That's tough. <laughs> Oh no! So I was gonna say, and I'm um I just want to because it goes to Kim's um point. So Janoa is on here. Hey, she said, "Hey everybody." Um, she said her son is 21. Um, he has been gluten and casein free since he was young. Casein, yeah, casein free since he was young. 
it has definitely helped with his hyperactivity and some behaviors, but he is still exhibiting um, signs of autism. Um, they're saying like dietary changes is definitely hard, um, especially if you're a child, like most kids, my son included, is a very picky eater. <laughs> so um, just right. saying you're gonna right. switch things doesn't necessarily mean it's automatically gonna be what happens. And then to your point, um, about just the resources. Um, a lot of people are saying you are correct. There are definitely very hard, it's very hard to find those resources on the South side. And so uh, I know that's where you're about to speak and I actually am about to pull up. And for those who are watching at the end, we do definitely all the questions. So as people are putting their questions in and things that they have, we will have a Q and A at the bottom. Um, so that if there are questions that are not aligned with what we have already said, we will address so, um, but I do want to go to because I hear the repeated thing of like what's next and what's next, and especially for both of you all, your children are older or getting to that age. And I think this is a perfect time for uh, Dr. Ford to talk about the I can. So yes. I'm gonna pull up, yeah. I'm gonna pull up her organization and then the information to learn more. And I would love for you just to share with those watching what you do with your wonderful organization. I want to make sure my organization. <laughs> you know, I wanted to I wanted to piggyback on what you said about guardianship. And I think that it's so important that you are that you um, really uh, walked others through that process. In general, we sort of hope that the public school is going to have that conversation at a certain time and it may or may not happen. So it's best to have the information for yourself. But what I do want to say in terms and to, to keep with this conversation about what's next is that. I really want to encourage you and all of our parents of young uh, people with disabilities to, to consider a special needs trust. So that's really, if you've spent any time thinking about what's gonna happen if I'm not around, who's gonna care for my child, really the next step is to make sure that all that's detailed in a special needs trust so that you know what's happening with them fund-wise, who's gonna care for them, and you can just really go through um, with an attorney, all those pieces so that none of it is left for anybody to have to figure out. Um, in your absence. Me. I've done that. It's, it's good. Just, Yay. It's gone to, and I've shared that too. Good. I've done good. And the, the special needs trust. It, Great. It has what's in its IEP transitional services. That area was in there, but it's still that real. I'm not sure what he'll do, but, and then I'll shut up. I've, I've done that and I have shared that journey too. Um, it's expensive. Well, it was for me, but I'm glad it's done. So. The, the money you paid that can buy your peace of mind of having it done and having it committed paper. So good. I'm so I'm excited to hear that you have that process um, completed and underway. So good for you. It's time consuming, too, because there are so many things that you have to think through that you maybe hadn't even spend time thinking about. Like, what do I put in a trust? So um, and I think some of us think, oh, trusts are for wealthy people or they're for people that are have a different station in life. No, it's for anybody that's listening. That's who it's for. So <laughs> that's who a trust is for. Um, the I Can Dream Center. So when I worked in public high school district, um, I was charged with the responsibility of building a program for young adults to um, have when they left the high school setting for transition service. It was right at the time when the state was really enforcing what's called Indicator 13. What that just means is that we have to report to the federal government how our students are transitioning, what process, the progress they're making toward transition goals. And so that's always been a part of the um, requirement, but it really, we went a step further in Illinois. So in most states, you have to start thinking about transition at 16. In Illinois, it's the year that they turn 14. 
And so um, the school district that I was working for um, was in a little bit of a panic because they realized more parents are going to be aware of their uh, their right to services beyond high school graduation. And I use that in air quotes because mm-hmm. parents think they can't still participate in a graduation ceremony and also receive transition services. And that's not true. Um, and so I developed this program and um, our students started to um, do really well. Um, fast forward, I recognized another group of students who were kind of struggling and falling through the cracks, and those were students who had behavioral disorders. Um, and those students who I felt like, who I had seen, um, not necessarily making progress toward graduation, and who I was concerned would be a part of this school to prison pipeline in the absence of intervention. And so Um, At the time, the district that I was working for wasn't interested at all in opening up a program for um, those students. And so I took what I knew about program development, um, but also the focus of my uh, dissertation was on program, ensuring of outcomes for young adults with disabilities and what programmatic features are important. And so I took what I had learned in my um, graduate studies and my experience in program development and build the I Can Dream Center. And so... um, we are really are a niche program because we we take students who we believe will be prepared for competitive employment. And um, it's been a really great journey. Um, and the, we've expanded on our services and grown programmatically year over year. And it's come because we have conversations with parents. Like I keep my finger on the pulse of what the parents' actual experiences are and say, okay, what is it that you're struggling with or what what service gaps are still remaining? And so that's how we actually build programs and continue to expand based on the voice of the parents and understanding what the impact is in their lives and trying to figure out how can we really be a meaningful partner with you. Awesome. And where are you that's located? Awesome. Where's I can? Um, so right so so right now we're in Hazelcrest. Right now we're at home. So <laughs> we're all yeah, everybody's at home. <laughs> That's where we are at the moment. But uh, our school is in Hazelcrest, Illinois, and we are actually moving to expand, which is great news because we're finally um, looking to um, start a program for young, for young, for three to seven year olds, because there's still a gap all these years later, (laughs) 19 years from when I was uh, doing it before, there's still a gap in services for um, early childhood students with disabilities. And so um, because we're opening a new program, we're moving to a new space. Awesome. I wanted to take this time. We are going to talk about a little bit more resources available, but I think this is a perfect segue to what each of you all do. Um, and so you just shared about the I can. I'm going to go next to uh, talking about all families united. So can you kind of share a little bit? of the story behind how this came to be and just what is your mission and initiative with that? Okay, I didn't, and I didn't want to forget dates because I couldn't remember when my son started FBA, so I had notes. But I will tell you this, in 2015, so I couldn't believe that people still didn't know what autism was. Now I had a lot of nerves, but in 2002, I didn't have a clue. But I'm like, 2015 and people are like, I have on a shirt and because I'm a t-shirt fanatic, what, what's autism? Huh? It, it just baffled me. Like, but it should not have because again, if people are not sharing information, they're not promoting it like they promote cancer and different ailments, nothing against those, nothing, not saying anything negative about it, but there's no promotion 
there's no advertisement, there's no uh, shouting from rooftops about, at that time to me, still autism. I just couldn't believe that people didn't know what it was. So I had, uh, I picked a Sunday. Uh, we went to the Woodson Library on a Sunday afternoon and I ended up having a nice amount of parents show up. Mm. Uh, which I thought was odd because we have several uh, support groups on the South and um, we have one great one on that. That would be considered Western suburb or West Side. Uh, great uh, support group. So I was kind of surprised I actually had parents show up on a Sunday afternoon at the library. But it was real casual. We had, uh, I had family members help to, you know, have the kids engaged in drawing and things of that nature. And I had my best friend who's a, a principal and she's a special needs educator. So she just did, you know, what you were saying. You, you get, you listen to the parents and find out what's missing um, outside, inside and outside of the school systems, what additional uh, resources that they needed that we could provide, you know. Um, and from that Sunday, we started having fundraisers. I was doing uh, events uh, just for Autism Speaks, for the uh, annual Autism Walk. So I had Team T.I. Lee, that's Terrell's first and last name combined. Um, so it's Team T.I. Lee, so I always did fundraisers. My other sister friend, she helped me do my uh, first fundraiser in my house. Um, it was lighted up blue, and we did, you either chose to do karaoke, or you did the Michael Jackson game on the week. <laughs> that was a fundraiser, a full house, great amount of donations. So after doing it for the walk, we started, I started pairing with other parents, and we started doing bigger events, bigger fundraisers. The biggest fundraiser we had, there was uh, myself and, make sure I'm not missing anybody, one, two, three, four other support groups. We all got together and we did a paint and sip for the mothers. Well, you're collecting money from people, donations. I am an honest John, so if you give me money, it's going to what I said it was going to. I will show you the receipts in the beginning. But with this, with joining with other organizations, I realized I didn't have my stuff in order not the way mm -hmm. you should. So I'm like, I can't, you know, really, they trust me because they know me, but you start getting people who don't know you taking their money, that's that's kind of, that could be fishy. So, right. um, and I work for the city of Chicago, so I had to find out how I could start a nonprofit and not lose my job <laughs> because I work for the department that uh, licenses businesses. So you can't you know, get money from. So I went through uh, the proper channels. I had a young lady help me set it up. <coughs> became an official 501c3, now I can take your money and, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> and, 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 and you know he has a <coughs> you know, with the organization's name. And we are just right now, because we don't have a building, so we had a couple of uh, support group meetings at Jesse Owens Park District where our children went for special rec on the southeast side. And uh, since we don't have a building to have support group meetings, we had events. So a lot of times, and I'll try to make it short. Our children don't get invited to everything, even with mm. events, because uh, they sometimes people just don't know how to deal with what's different, what's not normal. So they don't call and say, can you tell Terrell to come out, come pick him up? That stuff, that's been played out a long time ago. Uh, and I only had pretty, my sister would really pretty much come and get him, but he didn't get invited to a stuff if I wasn't there. So we came up with a way to have events where bring your babies, bring your babies, no judgment. If you if your stomach consists of you jumping like Tigger from Winnie the Pooh, jump. If it's screaming, scream. It was yeah. 
it is that you do as far as how you, you cope with having autism. You do that. And mom and dad, if they, they come, we do have some fathers who come. Relax. If only for two hours. <laughs> Just give you two hours of relaxation, uh, talking to other parents, networking, getting some information. So we would educate while having a good time. So I always call us the fun support group. That's no shade against my sister, <laughs> sister support group. They know this, that I always say this. We just, we have uh, gatherings where we educate, but we want, but we do it for the kids. So all of our events, except for two, um, were just for the kids to come and, and, and have a great time while we educate parents and hope that the parents that normally come bring a parent or two with them. Because a lot of times, you know, people stay in the house. They don't want people watching them. They don't want you asking questions, so they so they won't come out. So it's like a great, it's a thrill when you have new parents come out with their children and they and they're asking, "When's the next event?" That yeah. that's a that's a thrill for all, me and all families united. But that's that's pretty much how we came to be. Um, I am part of a great network of support groups on the on the south side. I I want to shout them out if I can, um, because without them. There would be no me as a uh, president of a, a nonprofit or support group. I would still be an advocate, but <coughs> there as I've had to become. But that's a Chicago Land uh, Autism Connection. They were the first support group I joined in 2004 when I didn't know where to turn to. I could email somebody at midnight and somebody would email me back. They were hands on <laughs> like that. Um, and then there's the answer. The answer Inc. is in uh, Maywood. So I always call her. That's our West Side, but she's all over citywide as well. Uh, Miss Deborah Vines. A uh, place for me. That's uh, Elaine Haywood. She's on Kimmy. I'm messing up her name, but she. I remember her and her husband and organization uh, uh, getting a bus and taking all the parents and their kids to Navy Pier on a weeknight, and mm. and and it was just an ease about it, and the fact that you know, a, a family would say, let's just do this for another family. And she also gave our resources just on a trip. It was an educational trip. That's kind of, you know, it was, that was great. And I'm gonna make sure I'm not forgetting. Place to me. Okay. I think that's all of them. And then again, uh, I'm autism connection. Um, Kimberly, she's uh she's a great sister friend and she's the president. So I'm surrounded by, I call them, they, they are some wonderful, wonderful ladies. And um, as you saw with one of your parents was asking about some information, if I don't know, one of them knows. They've been right. in a, a, a long time and uh, and they're the best in the game. So what I don't know, I find out from them and they, you know, they're quick on the job because they're all about helping our baby. So I hate that our event got canceled this April, but uh, health is most important. And we'll get back to, we you know, we can still educate online. Most people are on Facebook. So, mm -hmm. we, you know, we do post things on there and we're available by phone and email. But I do miss what we do best, which is we're out. We're outside. <laughs> we want you to come and hang with us and wear your pajamas and play games with the kids as well, and, and get resources along with, you know, just being able to take a breath, you know, because without somebody watching what your child is doing and possibly judging them. So that's yeah. I told you all I'm long winded. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, and the reason and I want it, I want each of you and I'm gonna go to Kim next because she's an amazing author, which you'll hear about in a second. I think it's so important that one, we have this platform for people to share because 
uh, individuals just don't know where to go, right? And so even a lot of the organizations you just shouted out, I'm going to ask that you put them in the comments, you know, at some point so that people can go back and look at them. Um, just you sharing all the things that I can does. Um, it helps people who are watching and okay, these are the questions I'm going to have because I know what her level of expertise is. And the same thing for Kim, when you share, because um, we're going to end out with that. I really want to have each of you all say, like, what is your call to action to people who are watching? And then if people do have questions, I know there was a few in here. Um, this will be the time that you can write them in there and I will bring them up before we go. Um, but again, next Kim will share. And I would love for each of you all to kind of say, like, what's our call of action? I want to respect time. So uh, Kim, share a little bit about what is it that you do, and I'm going to bring up about the little green dress. You can share a little bit about what that is. Okay. The little green dress is my um, children's book series. It's a five-book series, and um, it's about the little a little green dress that my mother bought for me, and I took a picture in it at six months, and my daughter took a picture in it, and then my three grandgirls. I have three girls. I have a set of twins. And they all have taken a picture in this dress. So my thing is uh, legacy. You know, you don't know, you know, what will you leave? You know, what positive thing will you leave to your family? You know, do you still, um, do you still have things like that in your family? What's your legacy like? What are you going to, you know, leave to your, your children? Um, that's, that's my big thing. But for Avian, uh, <clears throat> after I get the little green dress all together, because it's five books and, I have uh, my third one is in production. So once the other two are finished, then I will start Avian's book, which is my son. And his book is called Avian Says. And Avian Says is for my autism parents, you know, just finding out that, you know, their kid or their child or whatever has um, autism and that it's not like a life sentence. Like, I didn't think my son was going to say anything. I, you know, once he stopped talking, like he stopped talking. You know, and I didn't think that he was going to, you know, speak at all. But after, you know, speech therapy and working with him and everything, you know, he says a lot of things and he says a lot of funny things. <laughs> and so, so those are some of the things that I put in the, you know, put in this book as, you know, I thought was really funny and really cute for him to put together. Um, like one time we, um, <clears throat> let's see. Oh, his stomach was hurt one day and he didn't want to go to school and I'm a single parent and he has to go to school and because I have to go to work and he tried to describe to me how he was feeling. So he's like, mom, I can't go to school. And I'm like, Avian, you have to go to school. He's like, it's like my stomach is having an argument with the Cheerios. And I just thought that was so funny. I thought that was just, oh, I thought that was so funny. That's so, great. Yeah. That's <laughs> great. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to write something funny, you know, just to let them know that it's okay and they're not, they're not out here alone. That's basically what, you know, parents need to know, that they're not out here alone. Find a support group, because that's what I did in the very beginning. I found a support group and keep lasting friendships, keep people's phone numbers, you know, maker i have a person that i've met at that uh in the in a group a long time ago that i keep in contact with her if i need to know anything i will call her i haven't been to a meeting in a while but if i need to know anything i know that i can call her that's that's what you need that, that's what a family needs i need to know that they can call somebody you know and ask any questions that they have but um yes here in dayton ohio urs um united rehabilitation uh 
services that God sent for me and my son. They helped me, you know, when I had to go to work early, they were, they were open early, they're open later. And that's what they do. They teach them all kinds of things there, all kinds of activities. Um, that was a godsend for me uh, here in, in Ohio. And I've only been here in Huber Heights. Um, <clears throat> once I found the school system and that it worked for him, I wasn't, I wasn't going to move them. So I just, you know, stayed here and stayed steady with that, you know, because, you know, they don't do well with change. So just stay steady with with those with that group you know because it takes a village like that's like with all kids so it really you know for you know the special capable you know it really takes and you just have to stick with it and keep trudging through and you know um those uh, programs try all of those programs you know because you never you never know you know all of them help all of them help all of them help Awesome. So before um, we do the call to action, which we'll end with, there is one question I want to pose to Dr. Ford or anyone on the panel, if you may know some input. Um, the call to action I always end with is, I think it's important that they've heard a lot, right? We've heard a lot. We've heard a lot of background stories, but it's always, um, I'm always that one person. Okay. What's the one nugget that you are saying, okay, as a parent or someone who wants to support the community of parents um, who have children on autistic will be their call of action. If I was a parent who just found out my child's autistic, what's the one thing you say is, if you didn't hear anything tonight, do this, right? If you didn't know anything tonight, know this. So think about what's that one thing you will want um, people to leave with from this talk. Um, Dr. Four, and I have heard this as well. And so I do want to honor the question. So usually, um, when it comes to children who may have um, different disabilities, things like that, questions about sexuality. That, that was a question that came through the, ch the chain. Um, one of the people, they just mentioned that their child is maybe battling with whether they are transgender or like their sexuality. I have heard of, uh, and again, I don't know if this is a misconception, so that's why I'm putting it out there and I brought this question up, that it can be something like battling with sexuality is that linked to learning disabilities. That was something that I believe the person may be directing their question towards, but uh, I don't know if you have heard that, if that's something that's actually documented or more so um, just in anything, just a personal preference. But that was the question um, that, do you agree that people who are autism are most likely to become transgender or to have some confusion with sexuality? That's for me to asking me that question. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. This this conversation came up with um, my team this week. And I'll say that in my years, I have not met an individual who was both autistic and um, transgender or gay. What I do know of students with neurodevelop of young people with neurodevelopmental disabilities is that they often struggle in the area of social reciprocity. So of being able to make friends and understanding the parameters and the boundaries around friendship. And one of the things that makes our students um, vulnerable to a lot of things is not understanding that ebb and flow of relationships. And so um, I, what I would say is that I don't know if uh, being autistic, autistic is linked to being transgendered. I've never heard that. Um, what I do know is that we spend a lot of time with our students and with our young people teaching them how to develop relationships be appropriate in relationships, but to expect the behavior in the context of relationships. And so sometimes 
what I've seen with all of our students, not just those with autism, is that they um, are willing to make adjustments to fit in and to have a, a, a peer group and feel like they're, they belong to something um, at whatever level that they can kind of understand that. So the students that we see in Dream Center have mild to moderate disabilities. And so they have an awareness that they show up in the world differently. And so we um, start where, they at, where they're at in terms of building on their social repertoire and being able to um, help them to understand the dynamics of social relationships. And one of our students um, said uh, to one of my team members this week that one of the things that he'd like to understand is um, how to be in a in a romantic loving relationship. This is one of our students with autism. And so um, this conversation's been um, pretty deep this week in terms of, and I, first of all, I said, that's the question we all have. We all want to know how to show up. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, that, was, that question was spot on. We all want to know that we have questions. But um, so I, I thought it was a great question for a young man, but, um, but all that to say is I think we just have to support them in understanding uh, relationships and boundaries and the, and the, and the mores around social interaction. Yeah, I don't know if I answered the question or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I believe so. Um, what's what's the one nugget you want us to walk away with? Who would like to end us out? I just I want parents and family and families and supporters to keep dreaming for their young people to not let a a disability or a a category to stop to put limits on what they feel like that they can accomplish. And so, as parents have to, and family has to support parents to gain knowledge, understand it, digest it, because we get so much information coming to us, but to filter it in a way that it makes sense for us, for us or for our families and use that information to be able to support the young person that you love. Yeah, I love that. Keep dreaming. Who wants to go next? I'll go, I'll make it short. He's <laughs> a... <laughs> So I have this t-shirt, but I lost them in a the fire. And we had a fire on the year's day, but we're, we're coming mm. along. We should be oh, back wow. in a couple months. Um, but I lost a lot of my t-shirts, so I had to get it remade. But I had a t-shirt made, um, and it was called uh, My Child Has an IEP. And this is an IEP. If you don't know what it is, I'll definitely put that you know in the comments when we're done. But this is how our children get taught, and it's an individual education program. My call to action is for parents to be an IEP, an involved, educated parent. Uh, what does that mean? Talk about it. Ask questions. Talk to the educators. And I'll call you experts too, because you 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 really go in and you study. We're parenting, but you you're a whole nother, you know, uh, area of uh, of our ch children's journey. So talk to the educators. Talk to other parents. Uh, talk to your doctors. If you don't like the way your doctor is talking, get another doctor. <laughs> um, and, and so, yeah, be be an involved, educated parent. And when I say educated, that means, you know, continue to get educated, continue to find out what's out there. Um, as Kim said, you know, try everything, whatever is in your uh, capacity to try for your child. It, it What could it hurt? You know, yeah. if it doesn't work out, then you move on to the next thing that, you know, again, that, that you're able to have access to. But that's that's uh, that, that'll be my call to action. Be, be an involved, educated parent, be an IEP. <laughs> right. That's good. That's good. 
I like that a lot. Um, the one thing I want, and you know, and I wanted to say the call to action, and hopefully Kim gets back on before we go, is that I believe it's just important that these conversations, you know, similar to when we say like February is Black History Month, right? So then everyone's really in depth and studying and having all these programs and celebrations. And then it's March, right? And then it's April. And um, in my home, it doesn't stop, but in many homes it does, right? And so similar, um, April is Autism Awareness Month, right? And so there's been so much, you know, media and just back in behind it. And I just want us to just continue to create spaces in which we can continue to have these conversations. So kind of like you said, it won't be um, this buzzword. Like it's just a part of our 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 everyday and we are able to become more supports to one another. Um, teachers don't have to feel um, a certain way about not knowing and they can get the education they need, community members. Uh, um, it shouldn't be that, you know, your baby doesn't get invited to the birthday party. Cause a lot of that just comes from a lack of knowledge, right? And not knowing how to handle with something different. So I think it's just doing a better job of creating that true village. Um, I'm all about the village and I believe that uh, we're just our best selves when we learn from one another, right? Um, even in this this conversation, I've learned a lot just by listening because I think it's important that we put ourselves in spaces so we can learn and then we can take that knowledge we've learned to somebody else, right? And so I just hope that these conversations don't stop after April. Can I have my call? Because you, we have an yes. uh, audience. Don't be afraid to approach parents and ask us. Don't just stare. It's okay mm. to ask, even mm -hmm. if you on a Saturday morning in the grocery store when we can do that again. The same way I said, be educated as a parent. Uh, lack of knowledge leads to, it, it's, it. then you become ignorant or all these other negative things. No, 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 no. It's okay to walk up and ask. Ask me. If you see me with my son, ask me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Instead of assuming and instead yeah. of making up my own opinion of what, right? Yeah. Love it. Well, first, let me say thank you, ladies, so much um, for your thank time you. and having this time with us and being able to share your stories. Um, it's been so encouraging each Friday, like I said, to have these conversations. And many of you um, who are watching, I'm sure you're appreciative. Each week I've had families like, man, thank you. Um, because a lot of people can feel like they're alone. Like you said, um, I wanted you to share about your groups because I personally have some friends who are watching and that's their struggle. Like it can be taxing because it's always them and their child because not everyone is, you know, wants to do the babysitting for them to go out or for them. to do So I think it's just important to have these spaces. Yeah. I just wanted to add, and I was going to piggyback when you talked about your parent groups. We actually started in hearing parents say, my child doesn't get invited. My young adult doesn't get invited. We wanted to make, um, create an opportunity that was uh, developmentally appropriate for teenagers. And so we have what's called our Saturday experience. And so we do it once a month where we have some sort of recreational program for young adults with disabilities. And um, so that they're not necessarily with young children, which is what ends up happening a lot of times. So it's developmentally and chron chronologically age appropriate. So we've done things like silent parties for them, which is perfect for students with disabilities. We have we were supposed to go rock climbing last month. Of course, that didn't happen. Yeah. Um, we were, we, so we have uh, done a lot of different activities and we open that up even to young, to young adults that aren't uh, enrolled at the Icon Gym Center because we know that they're not getting invited. And we also know parents need a break. So sometimes we do have parent support 
things that are concurrent with our Saturday experience. But a lot of times we say, go get a manicure, go get a drink, go get whatever you need and then come back, they'll be okay. The parents at first are like, oh, I don't know, are they okay? And and then by the second or third time, they're literally dropping them at the curb and honking the horn, like, come get them. So, um, <laughs> so once they get comfortable with us, but yeah, we really, we invite and we fundraise every year to be able to host that and do some really fun stuff with just that purpose in mind. We want our young adults to be to have a chance to try on those different skills that they're learning too <laughs> around socializing and interacting. And I'll be honest, we have as much fun at those events as they do. So like, mm-hmm. you know, I think our last party, I was, I left sweating, like, cause I was, so <laughs> we have fun too. I'm mad at the island party. Yeah. They can find out by going to your website. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All the information awesome. there. Awesome. Kim, you're back. <laughs> Kim. Can you hear me? I don't think Kim. she can. Kim, can you hear me? I think I can hear it now. Kim? Hello, Kim? Hello. Can you hear us? Uh-oh. <laughs> we see you, Kim. Are you? Can you hear me? Yeah, we can't hear you. I don't know. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, one more time. Kim, can you hear me? I don't think so. Okay. Well, this is what we're going to do to end us out. I'm again going to say thank you so much for your time. And um, each of the ladies that they shared their information, I'll make sure it's in the comments for those. If you missed it from the bottom of the screen, um, again, as they all just charged us to just welcome and build a community so we can continue to have resources and things for um our children with autism even our parents as well um because we need one another um thank you all again like i said for being available for this time um any for what you do thank you thank you yeah this is gonna be awesome so i look forward to staying in contact with you all so we can continue to connect our families absolutely thank you guys all have right. a great weekend happy autism weird, weird as well <laughs> yes, yes. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.